Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. All right, it's 104, and I'm, I'm going to just give you part one. We started a series called The Kingdom of Heaven is Like, and we've been going through the, the seven parables of the kingdom. And, and I, I purposely omitted the first one because I wanted to get into the other ones. And now we're going to actually go to where it all started, right? And, and this is the parable of the sower. And, and, and today we're not even going to get into it, but I have to kind of lay a foundation to help us to unlock and unpack the revelation and truth that is embedded within this parable. You know, this this uh, is often subtitled in, in your Bible, the parable of the sower. But when I look at it, it could also be called the parable of the soils, right? The soils, because when you read it, Jesus d- delineates and, and, and makes a distinction between the different types of, of, of soil, right? And, and one of the things that he tells us in, in, in the, the version of the gospel of Mark, in Mark 4.13, it says that Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all of the other parables, right? That's what Jesus is saying. He had just told the, the, the parable of the sower, and then he tells his disciples when, when they're alone, he says, if you don't understand this parable, then how are you going to understand the other parables? So I believe that Jesus is, is identifying a, this parable as a key, a key to unlock all of the other parables parables, right? And and when you look at this parable, you'll find that embedded within this illustration, you'll see the purpose and the nature of the word of God. In 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 embedded in this parable, we we see the the the, the nature and the purpose of the word of God. Now, there's something that we've got to understand that be in, in the Greek language in which the New Testament is written, um, there are two words used for word, right? There's the logos, which means the written word, and then you have rhema, which means the spoken word. So when they're writing in Greek, it's real important to see when, because we translate it in English, just the word, right? Um, but there is logos and then there is the, the rhema, which is the spoken word, right? And, and we as a prophetic church, we, we value the voice of God, right? We, we value the, the rhema word of God. We are a church that believes that God is still speaking today. Anybody believe that God still speaks today? There, there are other churches that believe that God has stopped speaking, that everything that he had ever wanted to say, he already said it. But, but when I, I look at the God of of the Bible, and I look at from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, I, I don't see a God that is mute. I see a God that likes to speak, right? And, and so we are a church that we we place a high value on on the rhema word of God, the, the voice of God, but the voice of God must be proportionate to our value 
of the scriptures, which is the Logos word. See, we, we can't put a higher value on the spoken word than we place on the, the written word. If we value the voice above scripture, then we will be open to deception. Because nothing that God ever says or speaks to you will ever contradict his written word. And, and, and it's important because people will come and say, well, God has given me a word or, or God gave me a word for you. And a lot of times you're like, well, is it from God or is it from the enchiladas you ate last night, right? What, what, where, where is this word coming from, right? And, and, and it, our, our litmus test, our ability to, to discern whether this is a word from God is when we, we, we've got to take it and look at it through the filter of Scripture. But if we don't know the Scriptures, if we don't know the Word of God, then we're going to be open to, to deception. We're going to be open to, to false doctrines and, and false teachings. Why? Because the voice of God, the rhema word, will never contradict the logos word or the written word. Are you with me? That's why we here at Access Church, we give ourselves to the study of, of scriptures. In fact, um, I'm excited to announce that, that in the month of May, we are going to restart our midweek Bible study. Come on, I know you can do better than that. So we, and, and, and those of you that, that were with us in the beginning where we would do our midweek Bible study, you know, we, we don't come in, we, we, we don't do praise and worship. We really come in and we dig in into the truth of God's word. You know, when, when we started Access Church, I realized that we are, we are literally facing the first biblically illiterate generation. When I grew up in church and all my life, it didn't matter. Everybody knew the Bible stories. People knew about David and Goliath. People knew about Moses and the ark. People knew <laughs> Noah and the ark. Thank you. You know, Moses and the 12 commandments. I mean, everybody knew about those, uh, 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 about those Bible stories. But even in church today, I can't just reference and say something because a lot of people don't know the word of God. And so one of the priorities that we have placed is, is we've got to understand the word of God. We've got to know the word of God. And we have to, to in order to understand and know, we have to study it, right? So here at Axis Church, we, we value the, the Word of God, the written Word of God. And I'm glad you're excited because we can't just have Bible study we, you know, without having people that are willing to serve. We need people that can help us with our kids. So Kids Church. So all you got excited, hey, well, we're going to sign you up to help with Kids Church, okay? Because we need to take care of the kids so that you can, you can, you can learn the, the, the scriptures. And then also, we also need help for hospitality, right? Right? Because nothing goes better with the word than coffee and donuts. I mean, can you, I, I can't think of, you know, maybe a taco. That, that's, like, that's like, you know. But it's going to imply that we are going to have to put our hands to the plow and, and we're going to do something. So, so get ready. We're going to be announcing that and we are going to, to need help. So we give ourselves to the study of the scriptures 
but also to the voice because it is the voice of God that brings things alive in us, right? And, and that's why you, you, you've got to kind of understand the background to, to our, our purpose and our place here on the Word of God. See, I, I, I've shared this in the past, uh, but, but I realize that we have a, a lot of new people that under, don't understand the value and, and the power of the spoken Word. So if we go back to Genesis 1, 26 through 28, God says, let us make man in our own image and likeness and let them have dominion and authority to govern the earth, right? So God gave us the authority on the earth. Are you with me? Right? And, and that's why we must pray, right? Because God will never violate his will and he will never violate his law. See, when people ask, when, when we, we have a, a, a national tragedy, people often ask, well, where was God? And I'm like, well, where did you leave him? God doesn't have dominion or authority here. God needs us to release it here on the earth. Are you with me? And, and, and a perfect picture and example because the psalmist tells us the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell in it belong to him, right? We understand God holds the title deed to the earth, right? So, so we, we have a house. I, I live in a house that, that I don't own. The title deed is not in my name. I have, a, I have a right to residency given to me by a lease agreement, a, a rental agreement, right? But my landlord owns the house, right? So God is the landlord, right? The, the word Lord means sovereign. It's not a religious term. It is a, 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 it is a legal term. When we say he is the Lord of lords, it is a legal term. It's not a religious term. We are telling God that he is the sovereign owner, right? When you say you are Lord of my life, we're telling him that you have the rights, the ownership, the title deed, right? So you've got to understand the power, the way all of this dynamic works, right? So I don't own my house, right? But my landlord does because my landlord has the right of residency, right? So my landlord cannot come to my house without my permission. Legally, in the state of Texas, a landlord cannot enter the premises without your permission, that's just the law. And if they would do that, I could actually call the cops on them and have them taken out. Why? Because I have the right of residency. They need my permission to enter my house. Are you with me? Right? So when, when we look at this from a biblical perspective, God has the title deed of the earth, but he gave you and I the right of residency. He gave you and I dominion and authority. So God can't legally enter unless you give him permission. And that's where the power of prayer and declaration comes in. Does that make sense? That's why the devil doesn't want you to pray. That's why when you say, I'm going to pray, and then you start thinking of all the things that you haven't done, you start getting sleepy and tired, right? And then you're like, oh, well, let me just check Facebook. Maybe I don't want to miss something, right? Maybe there, there's a scripture that God wants to, you know, encourage me with, right, and, and, and stuff. So why? Because he understands that the moment that you understand your dominion and your authority, I, I love the way that Miles Monroe says it. Miles Monroe, Dr. Miles Miles Monroe would say, without, without God, man cannot, right? Without, man, without God, man cannot, but God, without man will not. 
right? God has designed for us to operate. We have dominion and authority. Are you with me? On this earth. So God cannot legally enter or intervene in your life unless you invite him. That's why we say, oh, God's a gentleman. And it sounds so poetic, but it's actually, it actually has to do with legal jurisdiction. Are you with me? So that's why the power of prayer. See, when you pray, you're inviting God to intervene in your life. You're allowing God to come in and, and to bring his power, to bring his healing, to, to bring. Because why? You and I, we have the authority here on the earth. What did the devil do when, when, he, when he presented himself to Eve in the Garden of Eden? He was he, he, he could have been arrested for breaking and entering. Why? Because he was operating illegal on the earth. Because only those that have a body have legal authority on the earth. So what did he do? He usurped the serpent's body so that he could operate. Why do we have demon possession on the earth? Because demons cannot operate legally here on the earth. Why? Because they don't have a body. And, and I can't go into the whole human and dirt and all, you know, where, where we get the, the, the legal. Maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll recap that for, for some of you that weren't here. You should have been here three years ago. But, but I'll recap that so you understand. So God owns the title deed, right? But we have dominion and authority. So it's not enough for you just to think a praise, to think the word of God or to think of prayer. Something powerful happens when you use your voice. Remember God created us and we go back to 126, 128, let us make man in our own image and likeness, right? What that means is that you and I were created to function like God. Now don't misunderstand me. We're not gods. We're not gods and we'll never operate like God. But we were created to function like God. That's what when you look in the Hebrew language, that's what it means. He gave us ability to function like God. How did God create things? Speaking it, he didn't think it, he didn't say, right? The Bible says, he, he said, right? He, he thought, let there be light. No, he spoke it. See, that's why your words have power. And Pastor Sander was alluding to that. Be careful of the words that you speak over your children. Be careful of the words that you speak over your spouse. Hello? Because you're creating your own reality by the power of your, because your words have power. Why do your words have power? Not because you're supernatural, but because God gave you authority. And every time you speak, you are operating under that authority. Are you with me? So your words have power. That's why you, it, 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 my husband's such a bozo. He's such a loser. He's such a good for nothing. You're creating that in him. What you need to do is call those things that aren't as though they are. Oh, man, I have the best, most loving, romantic husband in the world. He is amazing. He is, he is a hard worker. He is a provider. He loves to cook and clean and iron, right? Speak those things into existence, right? <laughs> man, speak. She loves to make tortillas, you know. You got to speak. You got to call those things that aren't. 
Why? What? Do, do, you, do you understand? See, a lot of times we say that faith is calling the things that aren't as though they are. How does that operate? You have to go back to the legal context that you and I, we have authority, and whatever we declare shall be established. Uh, do, do you see? See, we, we, oftentimes we quote scriptures and we don't really understand where, where the authority or the power of that scripture comes from. When we, the Bible says faith is calling those things that aren't as though they are, right? Where we, and we say that and we get, we, we, we get all, 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 you know, we get all holy crunk with that and, and we get excited but not really understanding where the backing, the support of that comes from goes back to Genesis 1, 26 through 28. When he created man in his image and likeness, we are created to function like God, to operate like God, and he gave us authority to govern, to have dominion. That's why when you speak, your words have power. That's why you can call those things that aren't as though they are. Now, some people... Flip that around. They want to call the things that aren't as though they aren't. Like you've got 103 temperature. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. That's not faith. That's calling the things that are as though they aren't. Right? Do you see the difference? Like I'm not sick. <coughs> You're coughing up a lung. I'm not sick in the name of No. Right? What, how, do you, how do you flip the script? You say, I am healed in the name of Jesus. Right? And then I say, I'm not sick. Well, yeah, yeah, you are. That's why people think you're weird. So you've got to understand the power of your word and the power of your, your, your declaration, okay? And, and so that's why we value the, the spoken word of God because when we speak the word and we declare the word, then that word has power and that word has authority. If you just think a praise, if you think a prayer, you know, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't release into the atmosphere. The devil cannot hear your thoughts. He cannot hear what you're thinking. He can't hear if you think a prayer. If you think a praise, he, he can't hear it, right? So you have to speak it out loud. You have to release it. You, you have to use your, your authority. Remember, we were created to function like God in his image and, and likeness, okay? So let, we, we look here at this parable, and, and, and we see the, the, the nature and, and the purpose of the word of God, right? So when we look at the parable of, 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 of the sower, we see that the word of God is the seed, right? The heart is the soil. So we're, we'll get in there. He says, a farmer has a field. Remember, what, what is the field? We talked about for the last few weeks. The field is what? The world. We are the world. We are the children. Right? Those are the 80s babies. You know what I'm talking about? Now you know why I'm not in the worship team. Right, so the field is the world, right? So the farmer has a, a seed. The seed is the word of God, which is the John 1, 1, the, the, the word, the logos, the, the verb of God, the, the word manifest of God. And, and the seed is the word of God. The field is the heart, okay? And, and the heart is, I'm sorry, the heart is the soil. So the fertile soil receives the word deeply, and then it is the spirit of God that will bring about the change that God in, intended. 
right, that, that God intended. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. So Paul says, you accepted what we said. See, it's not only powerful to, to, to speak the word of God, but it's powerful to hear the word of God. That's why the devil will give you every kind of excuse to not come to church. Like, well, I could just read the word of God. Yeah, you could just read the word of God. But the reality is you probably don't. Just saying, right? But there's something powerful when you hear the word of God. And Paul says when we spoke the word, right? And, and that's why you've got to understand the written word. Because we as pastors and preachers, we're, we're not infallible. We're not without error. We, well, we make mistakes. We say things. We misspeak, right? And, and you've got to know the word of God so that if we ever say anything that contradicts the, the written word of God, then you know to take what we said and throw it away, to, to throw it out, right? You know, eat the meat and spit out the bone. Right, so Paul says, You accepted what we said as the very word of God, the, the spoken word. Right, he said, What we said is the spoken word. Then he uses this phrase, He said, And this word continues to work in you. Right, so the Greek word for work is the word energeo, which we get the, the, the English word energy. Right. It's energeo, when it says to work, there's energy, which means to operate or to put forth power. Do you see the connection with the word? The moment you speak the word, there is a power that is released in your life. That's why when you pray the word of God, it's so powerful. That's why I'm telling you, you've got to go back to your Sunday school memory verses and go back to that because it's not just enough to know it. It's not just enough to have it in your heart. When you speak the word of God, it is imbued and embedded with, with God's nature and God's essence and God's power that when you speak Speak the word of God, things come to life. Are you with me? So he says, this word, the, the, the seed of God, has, has a power. It has an energy to operate, to, to, to function. So the word of God has power, has the power of God imbued in it, right? You, you cannot separate God's power from, from his word. So when God speaks to you, it comes in a seed form, bringing with it the power of God to produce in you the fruitfulness of that which God intended for your life. So God gives you the seed, right? And we've talked about it when we talked about kingdoms and, and uh, the, the kingdom's patterns, right? Pictures and patterns of the kingdom. We talked about the, the law of process, that everything God will do in your life, he does through process. And we see a picture of that in Genesis 8, 22. He says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest, right? Seed time, the law of process, everything God is gonna do. So when God speaks to you, it comes to you in a seed form. It, it, is, it is the potential for something great to, to happen, right? But, but it, and, and that seed contains 
everything that it needs genetically to produce what it was intended to produce, right? If you buy an, an, an orange seed, right, and, and, and you buy that package, it has everything genetically within it to produce an orange tree, right? Or an apple seed can produce an apple tree, right? Or, or a tomato seed can produce a tomato tree. Just kidding. I know they come from a vine, okay? Like, right? And you have to understand that that picture of our natural life is the picture of God's reality in your life. When he speaks to you a word that seed has all of the power and the energy to produce what God intends for it to produce in your life. Are you with me? So the heart is the soil and the seed is the word of God. So then in Mark 4, and, and this is Mark's uh, a paraphrased version of, of what Matthew writes in chapter 13, he uses an illustration to demonstrate to us the process and the purpose of the word of God being sown into our life. But before we can unlock this parable, there are a couple principles that, that we, we need to understand. So go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 5, 12 through 14. It says, you have been believers so long that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So, so this scripture uh, uh, tells us a, a couple of things. One is that the word of God carries out various assignments. The word of God carries out various assignments. The, third, the first thing the author writes, he talks about the milk of the word, right? The, the milk of the word is the word that comforts. It's a, a word that comforts, that soothes, that, 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 that encourages, right? And, and so God's word carries an assignment to, to comfort. That's the milk of the word. But then he talks about the meat of the word, right? The, 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 the meat of the word is the word that provokes and brings about change. In other words, the, the, the milk is the word that comforts, but the meat of the word is that which confronts, right? And, and it's identified here as a, a word of, of righteous, right? righteousness. It is the transformational word of God that provokes us to recognize what God is saying, right? It, it, it confronts those, those areas. See, and, and, and today you, you'll find people say, oh, I don't go to that church because, you know, I, I like to, you know, I like to hear pastors that they don't just preach fire and brimstone. They, they, they don't just preach, you know, hard. They, they, they bring encouragement. So what do you do? You have a church full of baby Christians that all they want is the milk of the word. They never want to be confronted. What does that tell me? Is that the milk, those that only seek to be encouraged, 
are little babies. They haven't grown or matured in their faith. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with, with being encouraged, right? I believe that we have to have a well-balanced diet of the word of God. There has to be truth, but it has to be seasoned with grace. And there has to be grace, but grace has to be seasoned with truth, right? You, you cannot, you, you cannot differ, differentiate or, or separate truth from grace or grace from truth, right? So, so we have to have a well-balanced diet, right? So Paul says, those of you that just want to be soothed or comforted, you're, you're like a baby that just wants to drink milk. See, we're, we're in that transition right now with, with, with Micah because we're, we're trying to wean him off the bottle, right? But Micah, his comfort is the bottle, but we're trying to get him to eat the meat, right? He doesn't always want to eat, and we're trying to feed him, and then he starts doing this. That is his sign that he wants leche, milk. And we're trying to give him solid food, but he's like, no, take me back to, to where it's easy. I just got to kick back. I don't have to chew. I just, go, 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 right? It's easy. And let me tell you, it's easier for me because now those diapers are stinky. When it was all milk, it smelled like potpourri, right? But now we open the diaper. There's the beans, the carrots, the corn, like it all, all whole, right? It's too much information, I know. But... It was easier for us, right? And it was easier for him. He's in that transition where he prefers the milk, right? Because it's comforting. It's easy. It's soothing. But I know that if he is going to grow and reach his full potential in God, if he's going to grow and, and reach his full potential physically, he can't just live off of milk. Milk was good for when he's a baby, but now he needs some solid food. And the same thing with us spiritually. Milk was good when we first started when we first started coming to Access Church, but you've been here a year or two years, it's time to not just com comfort you, it's time that we start confronting you. So the author of Hebrews tells us that the word carries out very assignments. It's the milk of the word the, the, that, that comforts, the meat of the word that confronts, but also in scripture we see the promise of the word. So we have the milk, the meat, and the promise. These are the words that the Lord deposits in us to describe our future filled with hope. Do you realize that there are over 7,700 promises declared in Scripture for you? God's, God is a, a God of promises, right? One of my favorite sayings is he's not only the promise giver, but he is the promise keeper, right? So, so the, we have the milk, the meat, and, and the promise. The, the promise is it declares in us and instills in us what is possible if we would embrace what God has spoken over our lives. But you've you got to understand about the promise. Oftentimes promises come with instructions, I said this in Del Rio earlier, is that when God blesses, God doesn't bless with things or with stuff. He usually blesses with instructions. Right? He said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Right? Look up at the, the sky. I'm going to bless you. Your descents are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. Now look at the ground. I'm going to bless you. Your descents are going to be no, more numerous than the, the sand of, uh, of, of the beach. Right? And, and he got the promise. But then he said, but now I need you to leave your homeland and your family and go to a place that I will show you. So God 
will bless you, but that blessing is often wrapped with an instruction manual. And most of us do, like when we get things from Ikea, we just throw it out. And anyway, you can't figure it out. You just try to figure it out on the fly. You have three or four pieces left over. And you're swearing to your wife. They always give you a little bit extra. <laughs> just in case you mess up one, right? And you're hoping. So we have the word that, are you, are you learning something? The word that confronts comforts the word that comforts and the word that gives hope you have the milk the meat and the promise but then in verse 14 he said solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong one of the the indicators of your spiritual maturity. One of the ways that I can tell exactly where you are at spiritually, if you can, Pastor, is this wrong? Is it wrong to go to the movies? Is it wrong to go to Cooters? Is it wrong, right? What you're really asking me is to give you a loophole so that you can continue walking in your sin. Right? And, 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 and the reason I know that, because that's always the questions I usually get from youth and young people, right? Because they're, they're starting out in their lives. They're, they're starting in, in their level, right? They're, that's where they are, and they always ask. They, they just want to know, is it right or wrong? It doesn't mean they're going to stop doing it. They just need to know, right? <laughs> but there are adults that, that stay there at that level. But, Paul, but, but the author of Hebrews, which I believe is Paul, we don't know who it is, is, is telling us that those that are mature have the ability to differentiate between right and wrong. Those who are mature are those that aren't, are, aren't towing the line between sinfulness and godliness. Those that are immature are always, are always trying to, to, to toe the line. Let's, let's see how close I can get, you know, before I lose my VIP ticket to heaven, right? Right? Let, let's see how close I can get to, to the line. But see, those of us that are mature, right? And, and I see that with, with my four-year-old son, Malachi. Malachi doesn't distinguish danger. It doesn't matter where we get off. He, in, 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 the, in, in our vehicle, Malachi jumps off the vehicle and he starts running around. And we could be parked in the street. He, because of his, his immaturity, he has no ability to distinguish that you can't, you shouldn't play in the street. That is dangerous because there's cars that are coming by. He gets down and he starts running around and I have to yell him, Malachi, get over here. He thinks I'm being mean, but I'm not being mean. I'm really protecting him. See, sometimes it's not correction, it's just protection. But see, those of us that are older and mature, we know the dangers of playing in the street. And so we pull them close right and so as the, the the scriptures are telling us that as as you grow as you mature you're able to recognize the difference between right and wrong you don't need a pastor to tell you if it's right or wrong you just know like you know what i probably shouldn't be doing this uh, i i love the way the amplified bible translates it Hebrews 5.14, it says, but solid food is for the spiritually mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good 
and what is evil. See, the premise of this verse is that your maturity as a believer is measured by your own ability to train your own senses to recognize the difference between good and evil. Your, your, your maturity of believer, right, is, is measured by your ability to train your own senses. You don't need someone there that's telling you, you know what, this is right or this is wrong. You, you have a, a, a way to, to do that. And, and he uses the word senses, which is your sight, your taste, your touch, your hearing, your smell, right? So what you've got to know that everything about you was perfectly designed to recognize and have fellowship with God. Every sense, every personality trait, everything he put in you was designed so you can have fellowship with him. We've got to train our senses. For Remember what I said that what happens in the natural also happens in the spiritual, that God in the natural gave us just a picture of how his kingdom operates. So every one of the five senses, right, every one of the five senses has, has, has a spiritual counterpart or a parallel sense, right? We, we, we know that taste is taste, right? What does the psalmist say? Taste and see that the Lord is good, right? You do that. Your, 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 your ability to smell is the spiritual sense of, of discernment, right? When, when you're in a place or you're surrounded by, by people that you know that you should not be with, right? There, there's something that, that should trigger in, in, in your life. So the Bible is telling us that we can train our senses to help us distinguish between what is right and what is wrong, right? So we're going to stop there for today, and, and, and in two weeks, we're going to come back to, to, to part two. But I, I want to kind of highlight something that says that when you receive the word of God, you receive the word of God, it comes with instructions, right? Every time God, if you look at scripture, every time God wanted to bless someone or heal someone, right? It came with instructions. When the ten lepers came to Jesus, remember the story of the ten lepers came to Jesus and said, Master, heal us. He says, you are healed. Go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says that as they were on their way, the healing came. Right? Does your Bible say that? Or it says something? No. Is it, can you imagine for a moment, you have to realize the legal, the, the, the legal implications of the Jewish law that these guys that were lepers, they couldn't even go into the city. Much less they couldn't show them to the priest because they were lepers. They were considered unclean. They would, they would be stigmatized and shunned by all of society. But yet there they were. Full of sores. And Jesus says, you're healed. And they're looking at their body like, uh, no, I'm not. They had a decision to make. Am I going to obey the instruction or I'm going to stay in my condition? And the Bible tells us that even though that they weren't healed yet, they said, the healer said to go show yourselves to the priest. So that's what we're going to do. We might get stoned. 
we might get stigmatized, we might get rejected, we might get shunned. But I'm going to obey what he says. And the Bible says that they walked. And as they were walking, the Bible says that they were healed. Remember the story of, of Naaman in the Old Testament who came down with leprosy? And he went to his servant and said, well, there's a, a, a long-haired, bearded prophet that has this crazy ability to bring about healings and, and whatever he says comes to pass. I bet he could help you. So he goes to Elijah and he sends word to Elisha, say, hey, the captain, Naaman wants to see you. And Elisha says, you know, tell him to go. Eat. No, he really wants to see you. He's been struck with leprosy and he wants you to see if you can heal him. He says, okay, didn't give him the time of day, didn't make an appointment. He said, go tell him to wash himself in the Jordan seven times. This was a very important affluent man in society. And what you don't know about the Jordan River was, as you know, back in the day, they didn't have, you know, sewage systems and treatment plants. So they would, like, flush all of the excrement, human excrement, through these canals, and it would gather in the Jordan River. And now the prophet is telling him to go dip yourself in the sewage, like in the, can you imagine if I told you, go dip yourself in the septic tank seven times and you'll be healed. He'd be like, forget, I'm going to another church, pastor. Like, that's it. That's where I draw the line. That's essentially what the prophet told him. Go dunk yourself in the sewage, in the septic tank seven times and you'll be healed. The promise was given, but it was wrapped in instruction. And his ability to have the promise and the miracle manifested in his life was tied to his willingness to obey the instruction. That's why Pastor Sandra says, and she'll tell, your kids already know this, if you're disobedient, you cut your blessings. Why? Because obedience unlocks the blessings of God over your life. And a lot of times when we hear the obedience, it's not just about, about walking in sin. It's about that little small voice where God tells you, you know, why don't you pay for your co-worker's lunch? That little small voice that says, why don't you pay for your boss's lunch? That witch, you know how she treats me? Man, you want me to do that? You don't realize that little act of obedience God wants to use to unlock a blessing in your life. Obedience unlocks God's blessings in your life. Every promise the word is given is a seed, but that seed comes with instructions for you to be obedient. So that your obedience, remember the, the whole dynamic of the authority given to us here on the earth. Here's another picture. So just so you guys know that I'm being biblical. The people of Israel are in, in the desert in Egypt, and God tells Moses, take your staff and hit the rock, right? And water will flow. So he goes, what does he do? He has to obey. The rock did not start pouring out water until he obeyed the instruction. But now, 
a few years later, God says, okay, now you're going to speak to the rock. And instead of hitting the rock, you're going to speak it. So what does Moses do? That bozo, he hits the rock. Did anything flow? No, because he was being disobedient. The, the miracle or the blessing didn't happen until he spoke. Right? Until he spoke the word. Then the water flowed. See, our miracle and the manifestation of our promise are often tied with our ability to be obedient, to follow those instructions. That, that's why I tell you, if God speaks to you, and, and don't waste all day, is it you, God, or not? Is it you or the enchiladas, God? Is it you? Is it you? I heard a pastor say, usually the first voice is God. The second voice is the devil. God said you can have every fruit of every tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then Satan comes. Is that what God really said? The second voice always contradicts the first voice. So you hear that little voice that said, bless your pastor, take him out to eat. That's God. I'm telling you right now. Right? Just in case you, you didn't get it. But, right? Because when you're obedient... Your obedient will unlock blessings and the promises that God has for you. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.